coaching can help you gain deeper understanding of challenges that may be holding you back. You may not realize that there are others who may be successful and operating successful businesses who share some of the same challenges that you are facing. Welcome to Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. Our program will look into the individuals and their challenges and show how the coaching process may be what they need to find the root causes of these challenges within themselves and learn to work through these challenges in order to find success. Now, here's your host, Ronald Graves. Hello, welcome to Coaching for Real, brought to you by Poema Leadership Institute, the show that brings you real people, real challenges, and real breakthrough. Again, I'm your host, Ronald Graves, and this show is about you. Coaching for Real is on the Voice America Business Channel to help you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness. Today's topic is how to leverage your expertise and contacts to grow your business. And we're privileged to have fellow VoiceAmerica.com Business Channel show host, Jordan Goodman, with us today. Jordan is known as America's Money Answers Man because he's been in answering America's personal financial questions for almost 40 years. He's written 14 best-selling books, including Master Your Debt, Fast Profits in Hard Times, and the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. He was the Wall Street correspondent at Money Magazine for 18 years. And as I mentioned, he's the host of the Money Answers radio show on this network. He's a regular commentator on financial topics on national and local radio and TV shows across America. And he also runs the personal finance website, moneyanswers.com. So welcome, Jordan. Great to be with you, Ronald. How are you today? All ready for you. All right. Thank you for being on our show. Sure. Jordan, I just read the short version of your bio, and I know there's much more to tell. So can you talk about the early years? In fact, those years maybe leading up to your tenure at Money Magazine? Sure. Um, I've always been what I call a journalist slash entrepreneur. If you want, I can go all the way back to age 12, actually, because I was <laughs> on the summers, I, I was in Cape Cod, where we have a house in Hyannis, and I would deliver okay. the newspapers, and then I started writing for the newspapers, and then I started selling the newspapers at the same time. Um, so there was an opportunity that I saw where people were going over to Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard on these ferries, and they'd get on the boat, and they're all excited. And then five minutes later, they're like, well, there's nothing to do on this ferry. And so, I, and, and meanwhile, the newspaper had uh, tons of newspapers left over there we're going to throw out. So I put supplies together with demand, and I would get the papers on my bike and go down to the ferry and sell tons of papers. And everybody was happy on the, on the boat, and the newspaper didn't have to throw them away, and I made a little bit of money in between, so... From the very Excellent. beginning, I've been kind of a journalist slash entrepreneur, I guess you might say. Guess and so. then I went to Amherst, uh, Amherst College. I did all kinds of journalistic things there, Columbia School of Journalism. After Columbia, I started my own uh, personal finance, uh, kind of a newspaper supplement called Info, uh, and did that for two years. And then uh, joined Money Magazine by age 25 and was there for 18 years. So, And then while I was at Money... I was doing all the journalistic things and writing articles and so on, but I also was doing speeches and being on TV and on radio. And uh, like you mentioned, my dictionary of finance and investment terms that first came out in 1984, um, and uh, I've 
I've done 14 other books. And so th- that all kind of um, started while I was at Money. So by the time I left Money, I had a whole series of things lined up, TV shows, speeches I was giving, um, all the books I've done. So I've, I've always been a, a pure journalist, but also an entrepreneur at the same time, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Now, the 18 years I spent at Money Magazine, can you describe a little bit of what you did for that publication? Well, my specialty was Wall Street, and I was the Wall Street correspondent, as you said. But I really okay. covered all areas as well, and um, you know, healthcare, and real estate, and taxes. And we used to do something called One Family's Finances, where we go into detail on a particular family's financial situation. Um, so it was a really great experience to, to learn about all aspects of personal finance. And I put that into my various books. I did a book called Everyone's Money Book, which covers all aspects of personal finance based on the experience I've had at Money. I mean, Money is designed to teach people about finances through the eyes of other people that are like them, in effect. Um, so I did a lot of those things and then wrote about uh, all these things in, in the Wall Street column of Money Magazine, covered lots of different investing topics. Uh, but then I pretty soon, well, after I joined, started doing radio shows and call-in shows and speeches on behalf of the magazine to advertisers and to listeners and viewers and readers, um, and then started doing TV. I, I started doing Financial News Network in the old days before CNBC uh, in mm-hmm. the mid-'80s, um, and Jim Bohannon on Mutual Broadcasting System, and on and on ago. So I always did a combination of TV, radio, and then when online came, came along, uh, I guess in the kind of early 90s, I started doing online columns and uh, chats with the, the readers online. So I've always been involved in all aspects of personal finance and all different media and continue to do that today. Good. That's, uh, you, know, you were there for 18 years and then you left and you already had a, you know, sounds like a, uh, a good uh, group of projects going on. Can we focus on for just a second your decision to actually just you know break away from Money Magazine. How did you, how did you come to that decision and and then what? How did you make that transition? Well, you always have to have the next boat ready when you leave one boat. You don't just jump off mm-hmm. <laughs> hoping to figure it out. So <laughs> I had a lot, and some people do that. It's like I can't stand this place. I could have got out of here. I don't know what's next. I, I had all set up as to what I was doing uh, next. I mean, for example, I was on NBC News at Sunrise um, for many, many years, and when I left money, I continued to do that. So it wasn't okay. so. They were. It, it became that I was. Um, it, it was bigger for me than it was the magazine. I needed the magazine needed me more than I needed the magazine. If you know what I mean, it was perfectly friendly parting, but I didn't want to be restricted. Uh, I mean, for example, I would give speeches. And all the fees for the speeches would go to the magazine. It's like, well, I'm the one giving the speech. <laughs> this is not making sense. <laughs> or I did another thing, which was called Medical News Network. I was doing a weekly personal finance commentary aimed at doctors. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what it was. We'd get $5,000 a week, and I got zero of it. And I did all the work. I said, no, no, this isn't working. This is like I'm doing all this effort in addition to my regular job. They get all the money. It doesn't mean anything to them. And I think I can do better on my own, actually. So I left. And all the stuff I was doing came with me, and I did all kinds of additional projects and uh, kind of built up my business model, which is to be a personal financial journalist and on radio, on TV, in print, online, uh, giving speeches, uh, but also seeing really great opportunities for wonderful personal finance companies 
that have great services a lot of people don't know about, and I can tell people about that and kind of get an affiliate fee in between. So that's, that's what's become my model, give people great radio and TV shows, but also tell people about good services they wouldn't have heard about otherwise and get something for it. It's kind of worked. It works for the provider, it works for the consumer, it works for me. So that's kind of my model that kind of came out of my experience at Money Magazine. So, it, you know, going back to my question, it sort of sounds like you didn't really leave anything. You just kept doing what you were doing, only you were getting the income for it rather than passing exactly. it on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you work for a big company, it's very mm-hmm. safe. You know, in this case, Mother Time, Inc., I was there for 18 years, the benefits and the big offices and you know, all that kind of stuff. But it does restrict you on what you can do. And uh, so, um, for example, I created something called the Money Answers Program. Money Answers is kind of my brand name. Um, and it was a, a book. It was a series of tapes, video, audio, a whole service, and so on. Well, you know, I couldn't do that if I was in Money Magazine. I did that after I left Money Magazine based on the knowledge I had. So, you know, again, it was perfectly friendly. And it, it, it so turns out, Ronald, that uh, about six months after I left, they brought in a new editor who fired most of the people who were there from the beginning of Money Magazine. So I probably would have been on the chopping block as well. Not because I was bad or any of these people were bad, but just somebody new brings in their own people. And the old ones go out just because exactly. they're old. So I had no idea that was about to happen, but that probably would have happened as well. Sometimes timing is everything. It is. And, but you have yes. to make your own timing. I mean, it was interesting. Sure. Just to give an example, a lot of those people, Money Magazine started in 1972, and this was 1997. So there was some okay. people who had literally been there for about 25 years and never really mm-hmm. had other jobs. And when all of a sudden, you know, thanks but no thanks, they're gone, they had nothing set up, nothing. They had devoted themselves so much to the magazine that they didn't have anything to go to. Um, and that's a shame, but I always did. I always said you have to have other things, multiple streams of income, multiple uh, ways of getting your word out. And so I made a kind of a smooth transition, but a lot of those people did not because they were not expecting this, and they kind of devoted themselves completely to the magazine. Yes, exactly. Okay, uh, Jordan, there's a lot of money experts out there, and in fact, they're, you know, about everywhere you look, there's a, somebody claiming to be a money expert. Can you talk a little bit about what makes your offer unique? You talked yeah. about it just a so, little bit, but can you expand on that? Sure. So, um, I mean, Money Answers, again, is my brand. And by being the Money Answers man, what makes me unique is I really like to answer people's questions in very specific ways with specific resources and 800 numbers and websites uh, that make a difference in their lives. Uh, and I don't judge people. I mean, there's a lot of people in this field, and I'll mention a few of them. <laughs> Doug Ramsey... Susie Orman, uh, Rick Edelman, who, who think they're like God, basically, and they're judging people. Oh, is, you're, you're a horrible person for having gone to debt. It's like, that's not my, my game. I don't judge them. It's like, okay, you're in debt. Let's have to get out of it in various ways. So I think I've got a, a different personality than a lot of the other players in the personal finance field uh, to some extent. Um, and then I, I uh, literally, they write me emails where they give me their life story, and I answer them, and I call them back, and I interact with these people. I love to help people. You're never going to get Susie Orman to call you back if you see her on a TV show. So I think yeah. I'm unique in the way I like to interact with all these people who write me and hear me on radio and TV shows. So you're really doing more giving. I mean, you are you know, a lot of giving, a lot of yeah. giving, which I love. I really do. Yeah. 
I talk about what I call dolphin culture. Dolphins swim in a pool, in a kind of a pod, I think they call it, and protect each other. And if something's out of whack, they'll defend each other in various ways. Uh, and they're, they're giving without any expectation of return, as opposed to shark culture, where they're all out for each other, and they'll eat the... <laughs> they're not caring about the other sharks, particularly. Um, and just my experience over time has been you just give, 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 and it comes back to you in ways you can't predict. But just creating a lot of good karma out there has been a wonderful experience. And it does. And things do come back. Opportunities come back. You'd never expect just because you were giving and helpful to people. I believe in that wholeheartedly. I believe that, you know, you get things back. The more you give, the more you get back. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's almost a, nature, a law of nature, in a way, as you were just explaining. Well, a lot of people don't see it that way, though, Ronald. I mean, a lot of people say, if I, you know, what am I going to get right now? And it's right. like, I don't look, people call me or email me with their life story and they need help, and I help them get out of credit card debt or whatever, and then they refer other people to me, and like, yeah. he's a really good guy. So that's yeah. always been, and I did that in Money Magazine as well. I was just always helping other people, giving them sources. I mean, I had a lot of knowledge about different things. I would just, even a story I wasn't on, I'd just go and help them out in various ways. So just being a giver, it feels good, and ultimately it does return in ways that are kind of unpredictable, is the way I would put it. It's not like I give, huh. I get immediately. It's over time it's going to kind of work that way. Excellent. Well, we're approaching our first commercial break. So when we return, uh, Jordan and I are going to talk a little bit about some of his speaking engagements and um, some of the projects that he uh, gets brought to him. And we'll go back. We'll return in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is Coaching, a design alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness. Waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Welcome back. We're talking with America's Money Answers man, Jordan Goodman, host of the Money Answers radio show on the VoiceAmerica.com business network. 
And I want to talk a little bit about some of the other endeavors that you have. Jordan, for instance, your um, your books. Can you discuss a little bit about the role that your books have played in your business? Well, the dictionary I mentioned first came out in 1984, is now in its ninth edition, actually about the start of the tenth edition. It sold about three and a half million copies, and it's the standard work uh, in business schools, in libraries, uh, in finance investment classes, broker trading classes, like it's been translated into Japanese and Chinese and Russian and Portuguese and Spanish and all kinds of different things. So, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to have your name out there as the writer of the dictionary with my co-author, John Down. And um, it's an annuity financially as well. And once you get something out there, it just keeps selling. Um, and let me, it's in let all me interrupt you for just a second. Let me interrupt you for just a second. What, what, let's go back. What led you to write, you know, a dictionary? What, what, how did that come about? Well, the publisher, the publisher Barron's Educational Series, came okay. to me when I was at Money Magazine. And they have had other dictionaries. They've got dictionary real estate terms, computer terms, legal terms. And there had not been a dictionary of financial investment done in about 40 years at that time. In 1984. Wow. It's like in the 1940s something had been done. So <laughs> it just was an opening. Uh, they came to me because they knew about me at Money Magazine. And I was crazy enough to take on this project, which is a huge <laughs> project to take on. And revising it as well. Every time there are new tax laws, you have to come up with the new things. And the, the definitions of terms change dramatically over time. What capital right. gains taxes is very different now than it was then. The rate goes yeah. down, the holding period goes down, and there's new terms that come along every three or four years that we, we keep updating it. Um, so that was kind of the first book I did. And then I did a book called The Finance Investment Handbook after that, which includes the dictionary in it but also has everything else about the financial world, um, pros and cons of different investments and how to read financial pages and listings of all the stocks and mutual funds and newsletters. So I won't go all through all 14 books, but the idea is I saw, always saw a, a need for whatever it was that I'd done that hadn't been done before. And you, know, you make some money from it, but the real thing is it improves your uh, credibility. What I always say is you want audibility, visibility, credibility, what comes from that. And the books certainly give you credibility. So I make more money from speeches and so on. And sometimes in a speech, I'll give people the dictionaries and they love it as a way of a little gift, that kind of thing. So, you know, it just gets your, your view out there. People know me for the dictionary. I mean, I did a book called Mastery of Money Type about people's financial personalities. Uh, I did a book in 2008 before the crash of 2008 called Fast Profits and Hard Times. So when the markets are falling, I'm the go-to guy for what to do with your money in hard times. Uh, the most recent one I did is called uh, the, the Ultimate Guide to Student Loans, because I see that as a huge problem, uh, the huge amount of student loans and, and debts that people are in. So I'm always trying yes. to look forward to the next problem that people have and, and do a book to give them a solution to that. Excellent. Thinking of the student loan issues, it seems like it's it's pretty easy to get an education, but it's a huge challenge to pay it back once you have it. Well, it is. I mean, the average person is graduating with 38000 student loan debt, um, and it's changing society because people are so overwhelmed with their student loan debt that they don't have money or time or ability to get houses and cars and get married and do all the things that, that young people normally do. Um, so I talk about a lot of strategies in there. For example, you can refinance your student loans to as low as 2 to 3%, 
if you have decent credit, a lot of people don't realize that's possible. Uh, there's a place I work with called Credible. Credible.com backslash money answers is a way of, they have like five or six different places that will help refinance your student loans instead of paying six, seven, ten percent. Uh, you're paying two to three percent combining federal loans and private loans. So that's an example yeah. of an affiliate of mine. I think they do a great job. A lot of people don't know they exist. And I talk about them in the book. So I'm helping people get out of student loan debt. I'm helping Credible. And I think you can understand my, my business model that way. Definitely. Now, you talked for just a second about your speaking engagements. What kind of groups do you speak to, and, and how does that help your business? So I, have, um, I speak to students. I speak to uh, trade associations, uh, individual companies, like their sales meetings typically, um, financial groups of various types. Like last year, I spoke to uh, the Asset Protection Alliance. I spoke to Stansbury, which is a big investment newsletter company. I did a whole speech there on commercial bridge loans as a way of earning 6% in a 0% world. Um, so it's a, a combination of things. I mean, I have a speaker's bureaus that place me on these, these speeches. I always enjoy doing it. I tell people about all the resources I have. Uh, last year, I spoke a lot to dentists because I spoke at the beginning of 2015. I did a speech in Amelia Island, Florida, at a place called Seattle Study Club, which actually has local Seattle Study Clubs all over the country uh, where dentists get together and speak dental things, but they also do some business stuff. So I spoke at the national convention about how to get your financial act together, and then people liked it so much that I actually went to about 10 different local Seattle Study Clubs around the country doing the same speech for their local clubs. and. You know, like went on for three and four hours, and they asked me all kinds of questions. They brought their wives, they brought their staff, and I just love doing these things. Yeah. I, I love to really help these people, and I learned a lot about dentists, so I would always customize it to specifically what the dentists were interested in. I'm getting the sense, you know, just speaking to you now for, you know, whatever we've been on, 20 minutes or so, that you really, really enjoy what you're doing. I do. It's making an impact. Uh, I mean, when I went to Columbia School of Journalism, I knew I wanted to be a journalist, but I really wasn't sure which direction it was going to be. I mean, at the school, they've got different uh, subject areas. You know, it could be like a foreign correspondent or a, a, a political person or a theater critic or, you know, the police thing or sports <laughs> or environmental. Okay. I got into business and economics journalism. Um, and as I said, went to did info and then did money after that. It's journalism that really affects people directly. And I've taken it way beyond the printed page to actually interacting with people directly um, and, and changing their lives in all kinds of ways. So that, that's journalism that feels good to me, is, is journalism that actually affects real people. And I create a real bond with these people as well. Outstanding. So can I assume that you have a large number of projects that are just coming your way? You're, you, you, know, you sound like a very busy man doing all these speaking engagements, writing books. So can you walk us through the vetting process? I mean, when you get all these offers and projects, you know, which ones do you need to, um, which one do you pursue? Which ones do you need more information or research? And which ones do you, how do you decide which ones you just turn down? Well, you're right. I mean, that is a, a problem because I do have a lot of things coming at me. Um, and I, I look at what's the best use of my time. As we talked about at the beginning, leverage is the key, is, is Leveraging your time and contacts and expertise uh, so that you can get something out of it, but also help more people. 
as an individual, everybody only has so much time and so much effort that they can put in. But if you leverage it, uh, you can not only make more money, but you can affect many, many more people that way. So I'll just give you a recent example of something that came to me, which I am pursuing. There's a place called MWR Life, which stands for Make Wealth Real. And what they do is they do a whole financial education piece, and they offer all kinds of really great financial services, uh, whether it be financial counseling or taxes or identity theft protection, uh, telemedicine. I won't go through the whole list of a whole bunch of different things. I'm doing monthly teleseminars from them. I'm doing a video library on personal finance topics. I'm speaking at their conventions. Um, so what I'm doing is helping educate all these people, and then they, it's, it's organized as a multi-level marketing thing, so I kind of get put to the top of the pyramid. So the more I educate people, the more they bring them in, and, and I get paid for something like that too. So it's, that's a classic kind of win-win with a lot of leverage involved. I'm using my knowledge and expertise to help a lot of people, but I get paid for doing it, and the, and the, the better I do, the more people join, and the more I make, and the more they all make. So... That's the most recent yeah. thing that just came along a few months ago. Sounds great. Sounds like a great project. So yeah, from what you've told us so They've currently got about 5,000 members. They're talking about having 50,000 wow. members in a year. So it really could impact wow. a lot of people. It's true. It could. So from what you told me so far, you know, your business is very successful. You're very successful. But if you're like most entrepreneurs, you're just not satisfied with the status quo. And you just mentioned the MWR life. Um, so... You know, that describes you. I assume that describes you. So what are you doing currently outside of that to uh, take your business to the next level? Well, what I'm learning to do is to outsource. Because it's, it's easy as a solo entrepreneur to do things, everything yourself. But again, you only have so much time and expertise to do it. So just to give you a few examples, um, I had a great time last year speaking to all the dentists and made some good money from it and helped a lot of dentists, and it was just a wonderful experience. So uh, I've hired a person who full-time is going to go after dentist groups. <laughs> the whole right. Seattle Study Club has like 300 chapters around the country. So she is pursuing them, and she's got all these reference letters from me for having done great jobs with these, and to maybe I'll do 100 Seattle Study Clubs. I don't know how many, but <laughs> I, you know, I don't have to chase them myself. I hired somebody who's good at kind of telephone sales, who, who believes what I'm doing, who's going to go out there and do it. Uh, another area I'm doing is podcasting, a lot more podcasts. I mean, I've been doing the Money Answer Show on Voice America Business for about 10 years, but now I'm appearing on other people's shows as well, and that's another way of reaching a whole bunch of different people uh, through podcasts. Um, I'm always trying to respond to what people are interested in, what they need. And probably the biggest area I've been working in recently, which is going to expand a lot, is how to earn safe, high yields. A lot of people have a lot of money sitting in CDs, money market funds, savings accounts, treasury bills, pretty much earning zero. And they're not happy about it, but they don't know what to do. The stock market's too volatile for them. Bonds, they earn 2%, but they've got a lot of capital risk if rates go up. So I'm working with something called commercial mortgage bridge loans and funds that do commercial mortgage bridge loans where they can get 6 to 8% very safely over a one- to two-year time frame with no commissions whatsoever, and it's safe for all kinds of reasons I could go into. And that's been wildly successful. In the last three years, uh, I've raised over $300 million in commercial mortgage bridge loans. And it's, people love it because 
Now they're getting 6 to 8%. They get monthly checks. Their principal is pretty much not at risk. They get their money back in a year or two years, and they're very happy campers. And so I help the bridge loan people. I help the consumer. I get something from it. That's been wildly successful because I saw what the need was is for people to earn mm-hmm. a decent yield in pretty much a 0% environment. So these opportunities come along, and I try to make the most of them. Outstanding. Okay, I'm going to go back to today's show tile which, and ask you how you would recommend that our listeners leverage their contacts and expertise to grow their business. So this is the key to business success is, is leverage. And by leverage, I don't mean borrowing. I mean taking your expertise, contacts, combining it with other people's contacts and, and expertise, and one plus one equals three in a case like that. Um, so I mean, I'll just give you the example of what I was just talking about. With the commercial mortgage bridge loans, I've got access to the media. I know what people need, uh, that they want safe high yields. So I connected with a company that offers these bridge loans. Their job is to bring in the bridge loans, and they do the, uh, the analysis, and they do the vetting. So that's not what I'm good at. I'm good at bringing them customers, you see. So it mm-hmm. works both ways. They do their thing. They go out and get the bridge loans. They vet them. They do all the paperwork and all that. I bring in the customers. Uh, help the customers get income they couldn't get otherwise, and there's huge leverage in that. Uh, so I do what I do well, they do what they do well, and combine the two of them, we do a lot better than you know any individual. Me on my own, I couldn't do bridge loans, and they couldn't bring in the customers. So if that if that understand explains a little bit, that's what yeah. I mean by leverage. Okay, just putting all the right pieces together in the puzzle, sort of, and just it is. You know, and in many cases, bringing there a- are opportunities for people, but they don't see it. You have to have an open mind as to what shows up to be able to take advantage of these opportunities. A lot of people have opportunities and really no, don't, they're not open to, to new possibilities. I didn't know anything about bridge loans three years ago, and here I've you know, facilitated over $300 million worth of sales of bridge loans and transformed a lot of people's lives who had yeah. capital but they didn't have income, so they're very, very happy. So it's a win-win, but I had to kind of have my mind open. And also see the opportunity. In that case, the opportunity was people needed income. And I found a way to provide it in a very safe way. Same thing we just talked about with the the student loans. The problem is that a lot of people have a lot of student loans at very high interest rates. They don't realize there's a solution. I don't create the refinancings of student loans, but I know a resource, credible in this case, that can do that for them. They have a whole series of five or six different places that do a good job at it. So again, my expertise is reaching people, writing books about these things, telling people that something exists that they don't know about. Their expertise is putting together these student loan packages and refinancing. And the two combined, we both win. And the people who need their student loans refinanced get, get service they didn't even know existed. And I do that on many, many different areas of personal finance. Excellent. We've got it. just a couple of minutes left before the next break, but can you, can you just briefly talk about some of the different legal structures for people who uh, may be wanting to go into business and how business owners can be sure that they select the right one for, the, for their company. Whenever you set up a business, Ronald, you should set it up to sell it eventually because you're not going to be able to do it forever and you want long-term growth and build equity in something and then that's something you should be able to transfer to somebody else down the road. So there are different structures. Most common probably would be a sole proprietorship we are running it through your personal business. Then the next step up would be a subchapter S corporation, 
where it's pretty much a solo thing, but your all of the income and, and losses from your business operations flow through to your personal tax return. Then there's a subchapter C, which is a more formal corporation we can take in investors. There's an LLC, limited liability corporation, which has certain asset protection uh, advantages. And then there's an LP, a limited partnership, where uh, you've got to get combined with other people's to, to, to get the best deal there. So there's pros and cons of all the different ones. Uh, and many people start off as a sole proprietorship and it grows and they really shouldn't be a sole proprietorship anymore. They should move into these other ones for tax reasons and for asset protection reasons. Once you're successful, Ronald, you become a target and you want to protect oh, yeah. yourself against oh, yeah. lawsuits and all kinds of crazy things. So th- those other sectors will have, give you more asset protection than certainly if you have everything in your own name in a sole proprietorship. Exactly. Um, it sounds to me like you also have all the finan- the other financial people like accountants, uh, bankers, and all the rest of the people that, that you have as well where people can go and uh, get assistance as part of your, yeah. your team mean, or all those that you work with. I refer people people I know are really good. I vet them very carefully because in my reputation, that's, that's another key to business success is having a good mm-hmm. reputation and dealing with quality people. And I think that, you know, the philosophy of being, you know, a, a, you know, a giver like you are, um, it helps because you're, you know, people can see that, you know, you have their interests at heart and you're not just doing right. it for your own personal profit. So that helps with that credibility. It does. And I really am a giver. And, and often I'll give to somebody and never get anything back for it. That's fine. I don't have to get paid for every transaction I do. I mean, I'm sure. helping people go bankrupt. <laughs> you know, I'm helping people with- <laughs> Huge amounts of credit card debt. They've got no money to pay anybody. But I just, I, exactly. just the good word gets out there. And good. they refer friends. And So it, it, it's not natural for everybody to just be pure givers, but it really does work out in the long run. It does. Okay, we're approaching our last commercial break. When we return, uh, we will continue. I'm going to ask Jordan some questions about some of the mistakes he sees that business people make and um, some of the questions he gets asked on his show and his other uh, ventures. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching, a design alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness. Waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. 
dog barking, or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Welcome back. We are speaking to Jordan Goodman, and we've been discussing a number of different topics, most of them around finance, but uh, a few other adventures that uh, he's working on. But I'd like to ask a couple questions about, you know, for our listening audience, uh, what would you say are the biggest mistakes that you see people make in starting and in running their own businesses? Well, certainly one of the biggest ones is thinking they have to do it all themselves. Because that limits the amount of growth you can have. Again, one person can only do so much, and and not relying on others or leveraging their skills and talents is clearly one of the big mistakes they make. Uh, not bringing experts. You don't have to know everything either. You can bring in experts who do know things that you don't know about, and don't feel like you have to do it and know it all. And that's a real limiting factor for an awful lot of uh, people. Uh, keeping up with technology. I mean, there's always new things going on, and you have to kind of stay with the action. When I started doing all this, I was doing VHS cassette tapes, you know, and <laughs> audio you know, tapes and things, and that's, that wouldn't work today. Uh, so you've got to kind of stay up with uh, all the latest technologies and laws. And so on. to me, change is, is, is great. Uh, when there's change, that means there's opportunity, there's interest in what I'm doing. People want to know how to take advantage of the new tax laws or what's happening in the stock market or... As I mentioned, like these commercial bridge loans as a way of earning a higher yield. There's always new things coming along. So stay open to change and don't resist it. So those are a few things I, I see people making mistakes all the time. Good. So what are the some of the most common questions that people are asking you regarding their personal finances? Well, we talked about earning higher yields. Another one is certainly getting out of debt. Uh, people are taking on a lot of credit card debt. We're now over a trillion dollars in credit card debt. Uh, I tell people to find better credit cards instead of these very high-rate cards. There's a website there called guidetocreditcard.com. I talk to people about nonprofit credit counseling as a way of combining all their different debts into one payment at a lower interest rate, typically like 6 or 7% and getting out of debt much quicker that way. A place I tell people about is called Cambridge Credit Counseling at cambridgecredit.org. Uh, so that whole student loan debt, mortgage debt, um, credit card debt, all these things is a big issue all the time. In the mortgage area, I like to talk about a strategy called mortgage optimization, which allows you to pay off a 30-year mortgage in typically about five to seven years on your existing level of income. Uh, there's a website for that, truthinequity.com, and that literally has saved people tens of thousands of dollars in needless interest and literally 25 years off their mortgage in a way they never knew existed, and certainly if they asked a banker about them, the banker would not know about it and wouldn't want to tell them about it if they did, because they want 
staying in business for a long time. Um, so those are some of the areas. I talk about investing a lot, and um, this whole healthcare situation is something people are very interested in what, how to handle their healthcare. So there's just many, many issues that people always need help in, and I'm glad to help. Good. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to like to shift gears again. Um, now kind of focus on the investor uh, with my questions, even though you've talked a lot about the investor. And I'm going to switch. I want to talk a little bit about um, you talked a little bit about strategies you recommend to allow people to earn significant profits in today's financial market. Now, the one thing you talked about for today's market is that the fact that you can't get much yield on savings accounts, CDs, money markets, right. and all that. But, but what about other avenues that that you see that you can increase your yields as well? Besides that, well, for, for yields, I mean things like real estate investment trusts, mass limited partnerships, utility stocks. You're going to get yields of three to four, five percent, something like that. Um, the problem with those is if interest rates rise, as I think they will over time, then you're going to lose a lot more in principal than you're earning in income. So you have interest rate risk in those kind of what I call bond surrogates that you don't. That, that's one of the things I like about the commercial mortgage bridge loans is you you get your six percent, but your capital doesn't trade. So a year later, you get your money back at which time you could do another one. Uh, but if interest rates have risen, maybe you'll get 7% instead of 6%. So it's a way of preserving your capital and getting a higher yield than traditional yielding plays like REITs and utility stocks and MLPs. So, so th- this is the big problem people have today, is how to get yield without taking risk with your capital. And that's the solution I've come up with that's been so popular. And not only individual bridge loans, but also, as I mentioned, there are funds of bridge loans as well so instead of just having an individual bridge loan, there may be a portfolio of 30 or 40 of them all in one place. A uh, website to that is commercialrealestateincomefunds.com, where they get an 8% yield with a diversified portfolio, minimum hold time, 18 months. So either of those, you're getting 6 to 8% without having capital at risk, much better than uh, going into a utility stock or a REIT, where if interest rates rise, you're going to lose a lot of capital. Okay, good. So let's get a little more specific and talk about the Trump economy. And I know that sure. Realize has been very early in his presidency, and but how do you think um, he will change the tax system for companies and for the individual? Well, I know what he's going to propose. What, what gets out of Congress is not at all clear, but what he's going to propose sure. on the corporate side is to lower the corporate rate, which is now 35%, down to 15 to 20%, probably about 20%. And in return for that, uh, either wipe away or lower a lot of uh, exemptions and uh, deductions that companies can take. Um, and that will stimulate uh, more economic growth and bringing money from overseas. There's currently about $2.5 trillion sitting overseas that doesn't want to be come back here because the tax rates are so high. If we And they may have a special one-time... 10% tax on repatriation of foreign profits that would bring a lot of money back to the U.S., which would help shareholders because that money would be probably be used either to do research and development, maybe buy back stock, increase dividends, in general get that money flowing into the U.S. economy. That's on the, the corporate side. On the individual side, he's probably talking about collapsing the tax brackets from seven now with a top rate of 396 down to three brackets 
and my guess would be 33%, 28%, and 12 all subject to negotiation or something like that, and in return for that, limiting some deductions and credits of various types, particularly the mortgage interest deduction, which might be limited. Right now it's a million dollars. It might come down some. Maybe limiting charitable deductions, maybe limiting state and in- local income taxes. So in return for lower rates, somebody's going to have to give something up. Um, and, and the border adjustment tax is a big issue right now. It would basically, all exports would be free, all imports would be taxed, maybe as much as 20%. Um, so those are the outlines of it. The idea is to get interest, to get tax rates down, stimulate economic growth, and create more jobs in the long run. This has been done in the past under uh, President Reagan, and Bush did it in 2003. Clinton did it in 1997 with the capital gains law. So when you lower rates, you create more economic activity, the government ends up getting more revenue. So it's kind of a classic supply side. This is just going to be done on a much bigger basis. And I, I call it a grand experiment because if, if what they're talking about actually happens, it's going to be the biggest tax cut we've ever had. So what impact, I mean, what overall impact do you think this will have on the economy? The repercussions and, and, and the wide-reaching. Say what we talked about actually happens. I think you will get much more economic growth in the 4% range, which does produce more revenue to the government, and the private sector will get to keep a lot more of its money to spend and invest as it pleases. If companies see a lower tax rate compared to other places, they're going to invest here. They're going to expand Mm -hmm. here. They're going to do research and development here because of their tax at a lower rate. They get to keep more of it in their profits. This is going to have a particularly large effect on small businesses where if they're, if say it's a subchapter S corporation is currently being taxed at 35% and that goes down to 20%, small businesses are the source of pretty much all the job growth in America. And if they get to keep more of their income because of that lower taxes, they'll invest more and create a lot of jobs. So it really can be freeing up. John Maynard Keynes, the famous economist, used to talk about the animal spirits and lowering taxes and regulations as well unleashes the animal spirits, and that's what's starting to happen right now. Excellent. So how do you think President Trump's policies will affect interest rates? In general, interest rates will be going up. Uh, They've been very, very low for a long time. Basically, they've been pretty much zero since December 2008 Mm -hmm. when we had the financial crisis. Now, the Fed's raised rates three times by a quarter point each. They'll probably raise rates another two times in 2017. So that would make the prime rate, which today is 4%, up to 4.5%. So it is costing people more. That rate goes right through to credit cards, student loans, car loans, all kinds of loans that are tied to the prime immediately go up. As we talked about before, what they're earning on deposits is not going up. So there's a bit of a squeeze on that front. Um, long ter- the Fed controls short rates. Long-term interest rates should be going up, although lately they've actually been coming down to some extent. Uh, if the economy grows at 4%, you're going to have more inflation and interest rates are going to be higher than the, the roughly 2.5% that long treasuries are at today. So that's why I'm saying as an investor, if interest rates do go up significantly, you'll lose a lot more in the pure fixed income vehicles like bonds, utilities, and REITs. And that's why you've got to be careful in that area. Okay. What about, what about mortgage rates? Where do you think those will They're go? They're going to go up too. Yeah, the 30-year fixed is now about 4.5% or thereabouts. 
The 15 year is about 3.5%. I think the uh, 30 year could go over 5% by the end of this year, and the 15 year could go over 4% um, because of generally rising rates. They pretty much track what the 10 year Treasury is doing. Now, lately that's been coming down a little bit, but if we get that economic growth, if we get the tax cuts, then yes, I think interest rates could go up, which is going to make it more expensive for people to buy homes. But right now, in most, not all, but many, markets around the U.S., there's more demand than there is supply. So even though exactly. um, mortgage rates are going up, uh, home prices continue to rise because uh, in many cases, multiple bids for homes. So that's a bigger factor in what's happening in the real estate market on home prices than mortgage rates right now. All right. Uh, one last question. We're almost running out of time here, but these investments you've talked about, where you get the higher yield and all that, do you, do you believe that as the Trump presidency continues to the next year or two, that these will still be very good um, vehicles for investments? Well, but com- compared to the alternatives, I mean, the alternatives of CDs, money market funds, savings accounts, are yes. going to remain pretty much at zero, as we said. The banks are raising what they're charging on loans, but not raising what they're paying on deposits. So if that's your alternative, getting zero in a CD money market fund savings account, I'd much rather get 6 to 8% with my principal still being very safe and with uh, you know, uh, monthly checks and no commissions of any kind as well. Um, I mean, a website for that if they want to find out more is commercialmortgagebridgeloans.com uh, to get these things. And it's really helped an awful lot of people, particularly retired people who built up a lot of capital over time but don't know where to get income from it that they're living off of in a safe way. Great. So, Jordan, it's been a sincere pleasure having you uh, as a guest tonight on uh, Coaching for Real. So, tell me how our tell us how our listeners here can contact you to get more information on your services, how to access your website, your books, and your your show, basically. Uh, Money Magazine, sorry, MoneyAnswers.com is my website. I've got lots of videos and links all throughout there. But I do take emails, as we said. There's a little Ask Jordan button, and they can tell me their life stories. I'd get back to all of them. I'd love to help them. So moneyanswers.com is the place to go to follow up on all the things we talked about. And it's been a pleasure to be your guest, Ronald. Thank you. All right. What, what time does your show broadcast and date for the Money uh, Answer show, show? The Money Answer show goes from 3 to 4 Eastern time every Monday. That's when they okay. listen to the Money Answer show, where I interview the top people in personal finance, and maybe I should even have you on the show as well. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Uh, appreciate you thank being you here. And I, uh, all right. Join us next week um, when our guest will be John Gray, the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and the sequel, which was just released this past January, Beyond Mars and Venus. It's been a sincere pleasure to add value to you through Coaching for Real. May the Lord bless and keep you until we meet again. Good night. Thank you for listening to Coaching for Real today. Be sure to join Ronald Graves again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again very soon.